Welcome to HR Nightmares, uh, sponsored by Leith HR Group. I'm Lisa Leith, and I've got my team here. Hi, I'm Amy Conway. I'm Beth Looney. And we have a really special guest today, Dori Weiss. Um, she's got a really interesting journey and has been working in software for many, many years. But like, I many love years. the journey to getting where you are. And it's always fun to hear people's stories about, like, how did you end up in this seat right now at this time <laughs> in Wilmington, North Carolina? Um, but she's the head of sustainability and ESG for a now public software company called Encino. It's a was a unicorn company and something that Wilmington, North Carolina, the Cape Fear community has just been really proud of. Um, I first saw Dory when you were speaking. I think I don't know if you had just come to town, but you spoke at a talent event for the Wilmington Chamber of Commerce. Yeah. Do you remember what that topic was? Uh, I think we were talking about recruiting and um, culture and how do you sort of lead with culture when you're when you're trying to recruit, when you're trying to build a team and how do you create those conditions to, to have a team that really feels empowered to do innovative work, um, especially when you're out there trying to start a new company and do something for the first time. Build it up what rapidly. You, yeah. How do Tons you, of hiring. Yeah. How do you build yeah. a company that's built to to make something brand new and to start from scratch. Um, that was a great is... event. I remember like really wanting to get to know you since that event. Um, so uh, anyway, here we are. We're going to get to know her. <laughs> we, we made it happen. We want to get Finally, to know her. Yeah, there. but it's been like probably yeah. five years. So thank you. Um, she's a great volunteer around town. I know you're on the Carousel Center board. Go check that out. And then we were actually raking. My blisters were so bad after work on Wilmington, cleaning up Wilmington. And uh, we were at the YWCA raking together. And that's when I was like, I we should definitely get this woman it on the was, podcast. Yeah. It was excellent. I was so excited. I am so excited to be here. So thank cool. you. Yeah. Well, I guess let's start off by just learning what does ESG stand for and and what does it mean to you as a person? And then also, how does it play in the work that you do? Yeah, absolutely. That It's a big question and an exciting question. So ESG stands for Environment, Social, and Governance. And it is really tied in with concepts of sustainability and of uh, social responsibility and corporate responsibility, but they're not exactly the same thing. So ESG is really this sort of emerging business practice that's focused around sort of evaluating a company, evaluating a business's risks and opportunities around more than just financial performance, which has been the historical way Mm -hmm. that you look at whether a company is doing well is, you know, are their profits increasing year over year? And um, are they being responsible with their money? And I think part of what we've seen over the last, well, it's always been true, but over (laughs) the last couple of decades, and then especially over the last, you know, five years, I think there's this growing recognition that actually, you don't go to work and then disconnect from all of the other things that are happening in the world. A business isn't somehow like magically un, uh, you know, unimpacted by the big things that are happening. So what's happening into the environment? What's happening in social dynamics? What's happening in government? And what are all of, you know, which way are the winds blowing mm-hmm. and what is changing? And how do you start thinking as a business and, and as a- HR professionals is, you know, when you're you're trying to care for and support your employees, how do you sort of like broaden the view of what impacts your company and then how your company impacts the community that you're in and your customers and your employees? And so ESG is really um, a, a mindset or a set of emerging business practices that are about 
trying to expand that view of what you're looking at in terms of what a company's responsibility is and what people expect from their mm-hmm. employers. And I mean, so wait a second. So it's employees huge, aren't right? supposed to leave everything at the door when they get to work and you <laughs> know, mean, be there from eight to six o'clock PM in the office and like not be thinking about external factors that I mean I mean we can keep, we can keep telling them to leave that stuff at the right, door, but we're yeah. kidding ourselves, right? You know, like it doesn't matter how many times you re- try to tell someone like, Oh, be a robot and shut it off and it, I it's mean, not possible. It's not possible. No. And you're not going to get the best out of your, your employees. You're not going to have a team that really understands each other and, and, you know, is connected and is doing their best yeah. work if you try to create these, like, false divisions between the workday and yeah. the, the... Well, I think you don't mm-hmm. have authentic relationships with those employees then because you don't understand what's important to them in their whole life. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And if, if work is a place where you go to just be a half person mm-hmm. <laughs> how could fun. you right like how, right how yeah. could you ever love your job how could you ever do your best work if you're only like a fraction of yourself what in you're the describing is a giant lift though that's like i mean there, there's a lot of components in her bucket oh, here it's huge uh environmental social <laughs> risk okay that's like a whole thing yes then you've got social responsibility wow that's cutting edge progressive when's enough enough so like it would kind of be interesting to get into some of the initiatives that you're working on with social responsibility yeah. corporate responsibility okay people can probably if you work in a corporation wrap your heads around that and then, mm-hmm. and then um governance keeping up with legislation whether it's local where you have your headquarters state federal yeah. the factors going on in the world we have a war going on um but let's just start with like the human piece. I mean, recently, like we work with clients that even have like, let's say, employees with ties back to Russia or Ukraine. Um, you work in the software industry. You probably do, Ab- too. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> so how are you handling like stuff like that? Then we've also got like the mass school shooting in Texas. And we've got, you know, clients that have uh, employees with family ties back to Texas or yeah. they used to be school teachers and now they're working for this company. And like so it's. It's affecting them. So that's, a, I guess, a social responsibility, kind of like taking a stance. And employees are really looking for companies to take yeah. a stance. Yeah. Yep. Do you have a stance? And so many companies are conditioned to like, oh, God, I, I am not touching that with a 10-foot pole. Yeah. Don't say anything. We're going to screw ourselves. Like, So talk to us about that. Yeah. I mean, it, it, that is just obviously like a, it's such a huge, huge combination of things, right? And I think, you know, the first thing, to just be totally honest, is that no, no one has figured this out, mm-hmm. right? No, there is not a perfect company in the world that has excellent practices on everything that's covered in those realms, right? Like, so if if that's the, I always try to remind folks that the expectation for starting doesn't have to be perfection, because mm-hmm. if that's the expectation, then God, God help us, right? right like yeah. nobody, yeah. nobody tries. And you wouldn't move at all. You it, wouldn't move the needle. No. Yeah. Even in milliseconds. Like you yeah. just have to start somewhere. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, one of the things that's um, really interesting about the world of ESG is that it's so big that one of the first things that, that folks really advise is you've got to focus. So the idea is if you look at the the universe of all of the things that we could be concerned about, because it is important in the context of the environment, for instance, mm-hmm. um, if you if you focus on all of it, you just easily you know you you e- easily get overwhelmed, and yeah. then it's you know analysis paralysis, and you sort of stop. And so the idea is to really start by identifying what are what are the things that are most 
directly important to you and your business. So, you know, Encino, corporate headquarters, beautiful coastal Wilmington, North Carolina, um, it is materially important for us in the environmental realm to understand what's happening with hurricane risk, you know, how that's changing over time. That's something that, like, if we don't have the right conversations about that, we are not upholding our responsibility as leaders as a company, right? Mm -hmm. That's, like, directly impactful. Um, You know, thinking about what we could potentially be doing to help Amazon deforestation, if we had all the time and money in the (laughs) world, then that that would be a wonderful thing to be able to devote some, some cycles to. But realistically, that's not... The thing that is most impactful to our employees, to Wilmington, to our customers. So we're going to be much, much more effective if we focus on the things, you know, a limited number of things that are directly relevant mm-hmm. and that, you know, we can immediately sort of see how it's connected to us. So on the environmental realm, part of it is is that is just sort of like, OK, how do we focus on the things that that really matter to us? And for us, you know, looking to see where we are, you know, um, and the natural resources that Wilmington brings, you know, it's a wonderful way to stay connected to where we are. So, um, you know, it's about managing those environmental risks. And then it's also about finding ways to, um, you know, volunteer and connect back to the local sort of land. Mm -hmm. So beach cleanups and, you know, sponsoring, um, a beach access and and sort of connections with um, Cape Fear River Watch and those sorts of things. You know, those are ways that we're um, we're engaging on environmental issues, but we're engaging on the issues that that are relevant close to home and um, always looking for opportunities and places for our employees to say like, hey, this thing is really is really interesting to me. This is important to me. Can can we do this? Um, that was a question I had. So yeah. because everyone comes to work with different ideas of what's important to them specifically. Yeah. Like how do you I mean, I don't know how many people are working at Encino, but a lot to, yeah. to be fair. So how do you kind of like go through all of that decision making about where you're going to spend your yeah. time and resources? Yeah. Or where you take a stance. Yeah. 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 Well, and, and I think what we try to do is strike a balance between what we are doing sort of formally and officially as a company and what we give our employees the time and the space to do. So, um, you know, there, there's the there are the specific things that we want to officially sort of support and and put our weight behind as a company. But it is also really important to us that um, our employees are as empowered as possible, and they have the the time and the opportunity to do the things that are important to them, and they don't have to sort of get our permission to engage at a certain level. So, um, you know. We've got a very open policy in terms of, hey, if there's something in the community that you're really passionate about, if you want to get a group together and, um, you know, go out into the into the community and, and, and call it an Encino event, you know, volunteer event. There's, there's not much of an approval process for that, right? You know, it's a if there's a way you want to get engaged, you know, use your um, use your paid volunteer days, take them, mm-hmm. um, and and go get engaged. Like we want to keep the barrier to entry for employee led initiatives as low as possible. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Cutting the red tape. Well, I mean, you said something there that I think. I mean, you said so many things, right? And 
But I mean, you just said that word paid volunteer days, paid volunteer you know, days. imagine because I don't think a lot of companies still have have that. Right. Well, and a lot I, of companies aren't even like small and midsize companies aren't even doing like corporately sponsored or corporately organized volunteer right. efforts. Let a alone, beach cleanup. Like, How easy is that? You can grab a trash bag, bring your gloves, yeah. like meet me at Access 16. Right. Yeah. And take two days, two hours off. Of the yeah. Two yeah. Hours yeah. On and, Friday. Right. and that's, re- I mean, and that really is how it started. It started with employees saying like, hey, we live in Wilmington and it's the day after Memorial Day weekend and look at all of the. Yeah. Right. Exactly. (laughs) But I think you gave some really good advice to, you know, our listeners and companies and, you know, managers that listen to this podcast on just if you're if you haven't even begun this journey yet. Right. I think you gave a really good place to start on thinking about something that's really local to where you're located, because chances are that's going to resonate with the most amount of your employees. It's going to resonate with the community to maybe the clients or customers that you serve. So it's like. You don't have to do everything. You don't have to boil the ocean. But it's like pick one thing that you feel like this is going to create some value and mean a lot to your business. Exactly. Exactly. Pick pick one thing. Mm-hmm. Start there. And it pick it because it's it's authentic to you and authentic to your company and authentic to your employees. Don't pick it because you feel like it's the because issue of right, the moment. Right, exactly. Right. Exactly. Like people can smell an authenticity, right? You know, like it's really easy to tell when something is is a performance or when you're doing it because you feel like you're supposed to, mm-hmm. not because... But then it defeats the entire purpose because right. it's a huge exactly. eye roll and people are like, oh, I have to go do this. And that's not what you want to do. You want people to be excited, like, oh my gosh, we're going to be able to get to do this. Exactly. You know, and it's just, I think you're right. I think inauthenticity is like... One of the things that drives me most crazy. Sorry. <laughs> right. well, no, I'm, finding a oh. focus, though, like, you just got to ask people. So, yeah. I mean, so if you're not asking, if you're not in tune with what the employees are down with, like, if you've heard of everybody going surfing, you know, before work, then, hey, you might want to start at the beach. If you've, everybody's a kayaker, everybody's fishing on the weekends, like, you might want to focus on something like that. But just ask Right versus doing what you want to do as and a also CEO. the local thing too, because we've got a lot of clients that are out of state, and so if they're you know thinking about that, I love what you said too. It's just whatever's important to the location of where you are. Yeah, you know, there's going to be something that's interesting. So yeah, exactly. And I yeah, and I think that it's a way, um, it's a way not only to build momentum for thinking about how your company can increasingly be involved locally, but it is a really incredible way to build culture and to build a really strong connection to your employees, right? Anytime you're giving them that space and you're saying like, we really care about what you're interested in and we're going to help try to create a little space for it. Even if it's just That's an hour nice or two of right volunteer there. time, just right? Like that little, yeah. Just like, say right. what she just said. Yeah. <laughs> Rewind that the podcast for a minute. Go back. Write that down. The other thing too is you just are starting to reach that point of what that does, though, too, in the community is then all of a sudden people are like, "Oh my gosh, I want to work there." Because yeah. Look at what they're yeah. doing, and you know they're nice to the community, and they're nice to their employees, and they give them the space to do what the employees like to do on their personal time because yeah. they're coming to work as a whole person. Yeah, yes. and I well, think that that's the key. Yeah. yeah, and I'm guessing that when people listen to this, they're going to be like, "Well, I want to do what she does." So tell <laughs> us, let's rewind a little bit for a minute, and like, how did you oh, get God. into this? Part? I love, I love <laughs> what the beginning. has your path know, been? My, my 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 path is not one that I would necessarily recommend that other people try to follow. <laughs> I mean, it's been great for me, um, but I 
Lisa has heard this story before, and I always joke that nothing that I ever expected to happen in my life has gone according to plan, right? You know, like none of my plans actually worked out the way that I expected them to. Um, So I always wanted to be an English professor when I grew up. Uh, And so I went my undergrad education, my graduate education, all studying English literature. And um, I loved teaching. I am I am always like deeply a teacher at heart. Um, And I loved teaching, but I hated grad school. So I ended up dropping out um, of my Ph.D. program after five years because I still had. Oh, my God. I still had like at least I still had like at least three more years ahead of me. At least three years. I was like, oh, I like to say that. You want us to tag Texas? Come on, you got it. I like to say I like to say that I took my consolation masters after that because it was just like, yeah, I'm not leaving empty handed. Yeah. Give me something. Um, but then, but then I was 27 years old, and I was like, okay, uh, what am I going to do now? Right. I've got a bunch of English degrees, and exactly. And I had moved to Austin, Texas, and found out through a friend of a friend that the university had a software engineer training program. Um, and I didn't actually fully understand what a software engineer did. Um, but the job description, like all of the soft skills that the job description mentioned, I was like, oh, I've, I've got all of those. So mm-hmm. I don't know what function, what job function I'll actually right. be performing, but I've got those skills. So I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and apply for this training program. This is the craziest thing. And actually, the, the day that I got the job offer, I will always remember that day because it was a it was a Friday evening, actually. And I had already started having my post work, you know, Friday <laughs> well, cocktails. cocktails. And the phone rings at like 6 p.m. and it was the hiring manager. And he was like, yeah, I think, you know, I think we, we'd really love to have you join us here. But I just have one question for you. I just I don't know if you're going to like the work. Like we would we, we really hope that you're going to like the work. I'm That's like, fair. I don't, yeah, it's yeah. great. But I, I don't know if I'm going to like the work. <laughs> yeah, I don't I, understand I don't what, what I would do day to day. So know, like, I'll do it. I think this sounds cool, but I can't promise you I'm going to like it. <laughs> Um, which hopefully, luckily, he he liked that answer well enough because yeah. I was being pretty hilarious. honest after like, yeah. two whiskeys, you, you know. Right, right. Like, but do you keep in touch with this him. guy? I mean, he, I have he... not talked to Keith in years. Oh, man, no, but I should. I should check in. This he was incredible. Yeah, yeah. He gave you a shot. He was like, she doesn't know if she's gonna like it. I don't know if she's gonna like it. Let's do Let's this. Let's find out together. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But so I. I you know, I got into the program and it turned out that I absolutely loved being a software engineer and um, had a lot of, you know, sort of aptitude for it. But then also had all of this sort of teaching experience mm-hmm. and had you know, strong interpersonal skills and communication skills, which are nice to bring, frankly, into the engineering world yeah, and into and the tech world. Yeah, aren't. Exactly. Miss. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And it really is just a special key so that like go. unlocks all these you doors. You had it all. <laughs> Makes exactly. you so stand out. You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I did that. I worked at the University of Texas as a software engineer for uh, about eight years before I moved to Wilmington. And one day got a call from a recruiter. And uh, Encino was probably about a year old. I'd never heard of it Baby before. Baby little company. Baby little company. I was employee number 38 when I joined. Oh. Wow. Incredible. That's incredible. Um, there were five of us you know, building the software at that time. And then... Um, you know, I've been there for nine years now. And so over the course of those years, as the company grew, as, you know, our engineering and our product team grew, I just sort of moved into leadership and then moved into higher and higher levels. Yeah. Suddenly I was the exec running our our engineering team, Um, you know, team of somewhere between like 350 and 400 people with global offices. It Mm -hmm. was just like, right. 
it, it is still always incredible to me if you had grabbed me when I was, you know, 26 years old and told me that this is where I would be at 42, I would have, I mean, I would have laughed and just probably then, never recovered from the la- yeah. <laughs> from, yeah, from laughing. Yeah, but then like so this other crazy pivot, <laughs> but right? Exactly, like, yeah. Here recently. Yeah, so I, so I, been running the engineering department for a long time and and I love the work I love that team so much but you know nine years of doing the same thing is is a long time to do anything and and I mean frankly the the rate at which the the company has grown and and going public it has been such an incredible experience but it has easily been the most challenging you know part of my professional career and um, I was ready to do something else I was ready to learn something new and to have a new challenge and the the sort of questions of environmental issues and social issues those are the kinds of things that I'm really passionate about um, you know outside of work as well and so it just seemed like a really a really perfect opportunity for me to to move into a new role and for the company to to you know really be able to spend time starting to build out this new function and and really honestly trying to figure out what what ESG is going to mean for us. Um, you know, I've been talking about it as though it's a like very stable, established field, but mm-hmm. it is very, very new. And I don't know if you've seen any of the headlines lately, but especially with rising gas prices and with everything that's going on with the war in Ukraine, there's a lot of like skepticism right now about um, is this a good is this a good thing? What does this mean to actually try to make this part of, you know, the ways that we, the expectations that we have for businesses? But um, the way that I, I think about it is that, you know, ESG as a set of specific business practices isn't going to be perfect, right? Like, mm-hmm. especially, like, these are really big things that we're trying yeah. to figure out how to help businesses wrap their minds around. And so, of course, it's going to take a long time to develop yeah. the right ways to handle that. I mean, we've had hundreds of years of figuring out how to measure financial performance, mm-hmm. and we still don't always right. do that great, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, so it's like, I feel like we're at a little bit of, like, the moment we're we're in danger of throwing the baby out with the bathwater, the issues are important. They have deep impacts on companies. Companies need to learn how to talk about those things and mm-hmm. and how to um, how to start to acknowledge them. And again, like you don't have to start with perfection. You just like it's just about sort of acknowledging the air that's around you, right? It is just true. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so I think how do you start? they get it so wrong it's like you also go into this role knowing people are going to have to have some grace with you your employees your customers you know the the people that work around you they're going to have to know you're not going to get it all right the first time out you know it's okay sometimes we say the wrong things what we do is we refine it over time and we learn over time and we get it to the place we want it to be but yeah that's why a lot of people don't start though is because they're afraid to get it wrong and to do and to like reverse what they're trying to do. Absolutely. They're really hot topics and people don't all know and they're not comfortable having these conversations on a public platform in a public company, right? Yeah. That's why they're not happening. Some things I noticed too, it just does seem like when companies take a stand maybe on a social issue Mm -hmm. and then there could be possibly backlash on that. Like I'm thinking about There's a lot of that. Yeah. Disney has gone through that and 
I, I don't know of a local company, thankfully, that hasn't gone through that. Yeah. But it's it seems like that would be more of a difficult thing because everyone can get around clean beaches, right? Yep. So that's kind of an easy thing and yeah. volunteering your time for things that matter to you. But how do you go about maybe selecting the social issues that you want to support? Juneteenth. Pride Month, like I mean, yeah, and you, we used and to get a lot of slack at Nordstrom because we were a sponsor of Pride Month, and we had a lot of conservative customers that came in and told us their viewpoints when we had all the decor around the store. And but you also don't want to appropriate, misappropriate. Like, yeah, right. Yep. So, yeah, it's, yeah, you can veer off in in it's like, either direction, yeah, right? Like you if you're not careful, job that, that yeah. to lead that. that. Yeah. Well, so how, do, so how do you guys maybe select? those issues and who do you bring around the table to make those decisions? That's yeah, a, that's a it's, it's, a, it's a great question. And, um, you know, I think in part it goes back to this question about authenticity. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm a big, I'm such a big believer in like do what you're going to say, say what you're going to do. Like those things have to match up. So um, it's about knowing you know, your company, it's about knowing your customers, it's about knowing your leadership, like that group of folks have to know what their mission is. And, and and I mean that in sort of like, yeah, like mission, vision level, you know, the sort of like touchy feely, who is this company? And who do you who do you want to be for your employees? Who do you want to be for your customers? Who do you want to be for your community? You have to know what that is first. And excellent. I mean, like, and, and, and that for us, it is, you know, we've got, you know, these core, these six core values to the company and live the six, live the six. Exactly. And I mean, and there's, they're, they're frankly like simple things. It's make someone's day, respect each other, have fun. I mean, like, the, yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, like these are sort of fundamental pieces, but, but we keep going back to those. And so when it comes to, to the question of, um, you know, what social issues do we get involved in? For it, for us, it usually comes back to that, you know, what does it mean to respect each other? Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't mean that we all have to agree. It doesn't mean that, you know, for us, that we want to enforce, you know, certain, I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying and failing to come up with a good, a good example, but in a lot of places, it's the, um, you know, we're not going to try to, specify what someone should should feel about something or or how they want to be involved but but they've got to you know there's this sort of baseline of you've just got to be a good person and so yeah you've got to show up and respect that other people do have other opinions and all of that it's like how do you have a respectful conversation while we know we have different viewpoints exactly yeah and so one of the things that we we do for all of our new hires right is when they go through they've got a week-long employee orientation and one of the the sort of sessions that we take them through is a um, a primer on how to have crucial conversations, right? Oh, that's that's one of the things that we try to do with that's folks amazing. is like, how do you give people the tools to have hard conversations? How do you give them the tools to be an ally and those sorts of things? And then it's less about sort of prescribing specific issues to care about or whatever, but it's a, we expect you to, we expect you to take care of each other and here's a set of tools for, you know, how mm-hmm, we think mm-hmm. that you can you can interact with each other, how we think you can bring it up when you're concerned about something that's going on around you. Um, I like, though, that you're really boiling everything back down to your your core values because yeah. they really seem like they're very much lived where you guys yeah, work. It, it, it and really I think that that's important, too, because it's always nice to be like, oh, you put up these platitudes that really mean absolute crap. Yeah. Like they don't people aren't, aren't aren't invested in them. But if you have something like be 
be respectful to people. Everyone can kind of buy into that and actually do that on a daily basis. Exactly. And then, exactly. And then everyone can look for examples right. of ways to engage that, right? Like all of the things that we do, the, the ways that we get involved in the community, they don't need to flow through me. Like I am not a gatekeeper of the things that the company does or doesn't get engaged in. I mean, on some level, there are some things like the, the things that we officially right. yeah. sort of whatever. But, <laughs> but I mean... Um, if you go into our company Slack any day of the week, you'll find a conversation about, oh, this thing happened in town yesterday, and what can we do to go support this family, or what can we do oh, to gosh, go support? Yeah. And you know, it's you know, maybe any given conversation is five employees or mm-hmm. twelve employees or whatever, but they're making impacts. They're making their impacts, impact. and 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 yeah, and and Culminate. exactly, and, and they're being supported. That's the key, right? Exactly. Because if you just are like, I'm going to make a casserole, and everyone's like, silence, you know? Yeah. I'm yeah, yeah no, no, no. I mean, casseroles you know I mean? are great, but I'm exactly. But no, I can I... also see some companies being like, get back to work. That channel is BS. Like, stop. Like, why are you on this channel all day trying to figure out you should be coding or whatever? So, yeah. Like, yeah I love no. that. They're I mean, I think we've have... had good experience. I mean, we, we, we did, I did a seminar in Sino with a team, and like, I have another client that's a partner of yours for some other stuff, and like, Overall, like, it's not just words. Like, there is the living and breathing of that culture, and you can kind of feel it when you walk into your offices. So, you know, I encourage any listeners out there that are looking for great companies to work for, you know, Encino really is doing what they're saying. Yeah. Well, and and Lisa, what you just said about the, you know, companies that get get back to work. I'm I'm Mm -hmm. watching you. What are you doing? Mm -hmm. There are Man. companies oh, in I know. town. Oh, I, oh, that, I know there especially are. Especially with COVID, like yeah. watching productivity and putting software on computers and stuff like that. We, we had a listener write in. We had yeah. a listener write in about that. Like yeah. numbers having to be matched by yeah. hours. I mean, it's cray cray. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just treating people like adults. I remember watching Pierre yes. Nade on this. I think he was at a power breakfast or something with the Wilmington Business Journal, and he stood up there and. Um, they were like, what, it, what about the culture? And he said, I, he said w- when there was like a small group of you guys, and he was like, what if we just treat people like adults? Yeah. What do you think would happen? Like if we let them just <laughs> run wild and just be, be themselves, like yeah. do you think it would be good? And, and people were like, ooh, that seems scary. I'm terrified. Yeah. Yeah. Radical. I want what rules. About the rules? Yeah. 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 So, and I, I'll never forget him saying that on stage, but um, look at you now. I mean, I, I we used to joke, I used to joke that, um, in early years, that that the company was just a big science experiment, yeah. right? Entirely to that is. to that end. But but I mean, like it and is the, the experiment worked. The, it's it, cool, exactly. It's really cool. It, it's like HR professionals that we try to stay like on the modern side of things and be progressive and keep up with trends. That's why we have you here, like so we can learn. Um, but they haven't given up on that initial kind of effort to treat people like humans and like adults and let them come up. Yeah. Come to work as their whole selves. Yeah. I mean, I like sometimes, too, because we work with a lot of smaller companies and it seems like some smaller companies are really kind of trying to emulate maybe what you all are doing. Yeah. And it's exciting to see that because they are picking their own little, you know, values that they are that are particular to them and to their work. And then they do specific things in the community. Yeah. So when we do that, it's like, I love that. You you don't have to be a certain size, you know, to to have this be the the philosophy that exactly. exactly. Um, it, 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 it is so powerful. It is, you know, I always think about it in terms of the, the more folks that you've empowered to, to use their best judgment, the more people that you're, you're treating like adults, the more places where great ideas and, um, and leadership and, you know, 
all of that, every every employee becomes an agent of change mm-hmm. and an agent of great ideas, right? Rather than just waiting for a boss mm-hmm. to tell them what they should be spending their time on. I love that in your orientation period, you talk about having difficult conversations. Yeah. Because that's going to put all of us out of work. Because that's pretty much <laughs> what all the HR problems are. Yeah, don't get too people. good at it. Yeah, don't, exactly. Because everyone's I hope like, they're tired on that <laughs> Thursday afternoon. <laughs> don't do it. But like, because, especially for Gen Zers, I mean, they're always on the phone and they don't do good with like crucial having an actual so conversation but it does seem like a lot of the problems that are in businesses have have to do with that so for you guys to yeah. hit, hit that straight on it's like, awesome day i was one. excited yeah. that she just said one week orientation period yeah. i was like hey, hot. i know oh. we're just like tell us oh more. yeah i mean like, we we're, so, we're like, speaking we, our language we, yeah you're speaking our language this is great i have a question yes. um so uh, we live in a polarized world Everything is political or turned into some political be- baloney. Um, our podcast here is called HR Nightmares. Have you ever found yourself in a situation um, where you've had to navigate around like an employee saying it's kind of like your Nordstrom example, like we have pride signs all over the place and we have conservative people coming in and saying, like, I don't agree with having pride signs. Like, OK, um, have you had to navigate through scenarios where you've taken a corporate stance on something and maybe an employer customer has turned it political. How do you navigate something like that and smooth it over, have a crucial conversation to just respect one another? And have you ever gotten in a situation? Like yeah, that? I don't I don't know that I've really gotten into a situation that really um, that's sort of like the the, the dramatic version of that. Um, I mean, I, I certainly I certainly don't doubt that we have employees that don't agree with, you know, the materials that we put out in support mm-hmm. of pride, for instance. Um, but I think that there is also, I mean, the the underlying expectation is is that you you keep that disagreement to yourself. That yeah. part of part of what it means to be respectful is that this is the the way that we are creating the conditions for being inclusive. Um, and for supporting, you know, a diverse group of employees th- is that that means that everyone needs to be able to bring themselves to work. It means, you know, the expectation of being in the office is that um, is, is that those pieces that are intrinsic to you, that are a part of you, can come with you. And um, the pieces that you don't have to carry with you all of the time um, the ones that aren't part of your identity, those those are important. But but if there is a conflict between those things, like personhood comes first. <laughs> mm-hmm. Personhood comes first, um, and letting someone just walk into a room and be themselves th- that part isn't up for that part isn't up for debate. Um, you know, if the situation was. I'm trying to think of uh, of of a like a, a version of that could that would be more like active. Like if I well, if it makes I w- me think of like your recruiting process. So you're recruiting, you're 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 detracting people that don't want to be in an inclusive environment by like using your values and like respect and make somebody you know you're detracting some the people that aren't going to be a good fit and you're trying to attract people that like that kind of environment an inclusive environment they're going to go research and take a look at like all the glass doors and linkedin and see what you instagram see what you're taking a stand on 
Um, and so hopefully, like, how do you, especially as you grow and you're doing tons of volume hiring around the globe, how do you make sure and is there any communication internally that you're following the process that you set out in the recruiting process to make sure that you are screening appropriately so you don't get a bad actor on the team? Yep. How do you make sure that you're doing that as you grow? Like, that's part of the culture is recruiting the right folks. Yeah, absolutely. And so one of the things that we do, um, there, there are a number of pieces of that, right? Um, we, our HR team runs a really incredible series of trainings and they, they run them regularly for anybody who's going to be involved in the, in the hiring process. We are generally really big fans of trying to have that process be as inclusive as possible. So, you know, a candidate who comes in, we want them to have an experience that is as realistic as possible. So, um, we want them to meet with a, a range of the folks that they're really going to be working with. And that is both about the diversity of those individuals in terms of who they are and where they come from. It's also about the diversity of those folks in terms of the roles that they have in the company and how they're going to interact together. So that's one of the, the pieces. And on the engineering side, for instance, one of the things that we were really intentional about was making sure that every time a candidate made it to the on-site sort of panel, panel interview, that there was going to be be a woman and there was going to be a person of color involved in all of those interviews because it was important that the candidate sees that, that that's part of their experience of the company. It's important for us that those candidates that have diverse experiences get to get to give their feedback. Um, and one of the things that you know, especially early days when, you know, I was the first I was the first woman that that we hired on the engineering side. And as we were trying to to build out more diversity among that team, you know, one of the things that we talked about was, hey, if we're going to bring someone in to, to interview and, you know, there's going to be at least one woman who's going to be on this panel of interviewers. One of the things that I want you to watch for are the dynamics in the room. What's happening in the room? Who's making eye contact with whom? And mm -hmm. <clears throat> who's talking and who's not Are talking? And exactly. You know, this is right. this is this is relevant information. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we are we are hiring right, right. a team of people. And so that's not that's not outside of the bounds. That's really important information to mm -hmm. have. And so how do you going back to like how do you screen out those folks? You know, so one of the ways is I'm gonna give you a diverse representative group of people that are the folks that you could be working with, how do you treat them? Yeah, how do you interact with them? So mm -hmm. I want to see that, and that's something that we're going to take into consideration. Um, one of the, I also am just a big fan of giving people, I, I never want to ask uh, an interview question that's unfair. I never want to ask a gotcha question, mm -hmm. but I do want to see someone um, have to collaborate and have to change their mind or have to work through some new information during during that process. Like that's another thing that I want to see is when someone gives you another way of approaching something or mm. challenges what you just yeah, said. How they what do you do it. with that? Yeah, exactly. Like, right. do, do all your hackles go up? Do your claws come out? Um, or can you say like, oh, yeah, OK, yeah, I hadn't thought about it that way. But what if we do this instead? Mm -hmm. and, you know, um, I'm a big fan of like trying to recreate the real work experience as much as possible yeah. during the interview process. Well, and I like think that that targeting. helps when it comes to that yeah. stuff. Yeah, it sounds like you're targeting not just asking all the traditional questions, but you're thinking about things that you can really see someone's communication style yes. and their collaboration style. Like, And those are important because I think, 
you know, we always talk about behavioral questions and, you know, getting a little bit more out of that. But there are sometimes better questions where you can figure out, like, can I figure out someone's disc profile, right, in that interview? <laughs> I mean, I can't, right? But you can see it, right? So it's things like that is what are those different questions to ask and understanding how you're going to get a little bit of a more thorough viewpoint yeah. into how someone's going to work on a daily basis. And we do try to make sure that we have interview questions that all match map back to the to the six core values. Like yeah. We are we are That's intentional great. about making sure that everybody goes through questions that that always connect back to those core values. Cool. But yeah, Good. Well, you guys are exemplars in town. I mean, you really are. I mean, we, we you do a good job, we, and it's nice that we then all can like learn. Yeah, from yeah. Some well, and and I don't want to <laughs> going back to like that. You don't have to be perfect to start. I have made so many mistakes <laughs> over the course, you know, course of my career. Like, I do not get everything right, but but I think the things that are most important, um, just finding the way to start, just finding a way to start, just take the smallest step. Yeah. I love just like to managers listening. Um, we we work with a lot of hiring managers, and they have very specific um, needs and profiles of who they think is going to be a perfect candidate for their roles, even at like entry level roles. Okay, just like very very specific, where we probably need to give and take a little bit on some of the expectations of who you're going to find, especially in a tight talent market. Yes. But what I liked about your story is that you had two situations where a hiring manager um, has said to you has looked at you and said. There's a lot of things that I that she's bringing to the table. Yep. Is this the has she been there, done that on sustainability and ESG before? No, she hasn't. But, but does know she what? know our company? But she yeah. knows our company, <laughs> yeah. and she's, and got, she's got, got core values of herself that right. match with that. Is she ours. willing to learn and grow, and is yeah. she a great example for like all the other employees that have aspirations to like learn and grow within Encino? And so I think like the opportunity where. You know, you switched to software engineering from English literature and then the opportunity recently where you were the head of 400 global engineers and you moved into something completely new. It's really cool. And managers should really think about like a person doesn't have to check every single one no. of your hundred boxes to no. be successful in a role. No. And and if you th I am skeptical that you could ever perfectly describe everything you're going to need in a role in the first place. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, <laughs> the other thing too, though, is that if you're trying to replicate yeah, this I can't. list You'd, of things, I have a job description thing yeah. happening now that I'm like, this cannot be six pages. You got to get <laughs> this down to two pages. Yeah. <laughs> but the other it, thing too is like maybe then you're gonna miss out on this amazing thing that you didn't even know that you needed, yeah. and then you find out that yeah. you yeah. you have, and you're like, this is amazing. Yeah, yeah. and so good for you, you for being sometimes. willing to say yeah. I'm passionate about some things, and I may not know it all, but I think I can learn a lot from this experience because not everyone's open to changing and pivoting the way you did. Yeah. So yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, I've got to call that guy and tell him. I've got to. I've got to call Keith. Keith. Look at me now. Exact. End of the podcast episode. <laughs> I will. I will. <laughs> Thank you, Keith. Thank Tag you, him Keith. on LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thank you. That's great. <laughs> One of the things that we do on this podcast is we have people write in, um, listeners, and sometimes it's employee perspective, sometimes it's manager perspective, sometimes it's other HR people, and so it's like super fun. Yeah. Um, so Gabby, who Gabby Plumet, she's our community engagement extraordinaire. Anyway, she sent me a few, and I think we've got time for one. You ready for okay. it? We're, we're not going to put hear it, it solely on you, but um, let's see. This is a good one. So um, this person is in North Carolina. As a business, what are you legally supposed to do when someone does not show up for work? I'm sure when you had 400 engineers, somebody 
wasn't coming in with some regularity. We have an employee who hasn't shown up for four shifts and we've tried reaching out. Do we call the emergency contact or do we just take that as a no call, no show and move on? I mean, I, I we could all we could answer it and tell you. Yeah. We always yeah. want more information. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> exactly. I have so I many questions. You, did they say they called? Did they call? They said they reached out. Now I don't know if that's it. Most people think reaching out is like by email. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta you gotta and, call. And you gotta try to get a hold of someone. You gotta call them again. I mean, I hope that we call every time someone misses a shift for at least two to three shifts. Are yeah. you okay? Yeah. Yeah. And if we have a concern that they're okay, I mean, if this is an entry level hourly restaurant worker, they probably just walked off the job and they're never coming back. Yeah. Like, so yeah. there's some elements there, but I've had other times where we're like, we're concerned this employee's worked for us for three years. This is not like them. And then, yes, call whatever number you got. Do well, a wellness check. Get a whatever wellness you check. Need yep. to do. Yeah. So there's a few circumstances there. But if this is someone that's like, okay, they started a couple months ago. couple pieces of advice, just, call. Yeah. Next piece of advice is always have an emergency contact. So yep. I've had yeah. lots of clients yep. that work for companies where we go to find the emergency contact and, oh, my God, there's nothing there. Or it's not Do current. an audit and yeah. find an emergency contact. And, like, once a year you guys should be – pinging everybody in the company and saying, update your personal yep. profile and um, need an emergency contact. I always like to get people's license plates too, like because if you terminate somebody and they like come back to the office and you can at least tell security, like, look out for the red Bronco. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Don't that's let just another you down. piece of yeah. advice. Yeah. Um, but the emergency contacts, I mean, that's why you have them. So absolutely, yeah. you should call the emergency contact. And then contact. the final thing is you should send them a letter, certified mail saying mm. that you terminated their employment after failure to show up. Because you have a policy. Hopefully you have team a policy. Guidelines yeah. or hopefully you have some guidelines. Yeah. But even though we are an at-will state and you can terminate people, you should still document it and send a letter stating that. And we no mentioned a wellness way. check. If you don't know how yeah. to get a wellness check, you just call your local police department or sheriff's department, and they're, they've always been happy to do that. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and, you know, people are sick with COVID. They're sick. Um, they walk off the job, especially in hospitality. Um, but I worked for retail many years. A lot of people just <laughs> oh yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. But also, people have a lot of you know through this pandemic, people have a lot of um, mental wellness issues, um, financial stresses. Um, they could be going through some kind of substance abuse kind of situation. And if you have resources available through your company, which you probably do if you offer medical insurance, they can go and talk to somebody licensed and professional, a provider. Um, so send them to the employee assistance program. Yep. Send them to a primary care physician. Um, tell them about local resources that are available. And, um, yeah, I mean, sometimes people go off the deep end and need to just yeah. be guided and a little bit of compassion can go a long way as far as like loyalty yeah with employees. human human first yeah employer second. personhood yeah. first yeah, <laughs> yeah i like absolutely. that right well and and now just to tie things off we've we've circled right back around to the s you know to to the social piece and i do yeah. think that just you know um taking that second to, to pause and think about like where do i what do i know about this person where do i think that this person might be contextually and, right right um, what's the you know what's the thing that i can do to to check to see if they're okay yeah and then if they are okay then, then you you're can gonna terminate, terminate exactly yeah. <laughs> Viral. Cool. Glad you're okay. <laughs> so glad. Later. Just want to make sure first. Oh, man. you're fired. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here. Oh, my gosh. This was incredible. Thank yeah. you so much. This is so much fun. It was great. It was to great. Meet you. This is great. Great to meet you. And thanks for tuning in to this episode of HR Nightmares. I'm Lisa Leith. 
Beth Looney. Amy Conway. And you can find us all on LinkedIn. Gabby Plume is trying to get herself and Leith HR TikTok famous. So you can find us on all the social platforms, um, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Of course, we want you to watch this uh, podcast on YouTube, which I guess it doesn't really make it a podcast. But this is the <laughs> book that we were always going to write, but we did it around microphones instead. Um, it's fun to talk about HR nightmares, but mainly how to avoid them and just learn all the good stuff that people, you know, in our own community where we have our own headquarters are doing great stuff. We can learn from you. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. Um, thanks for tuning in. Any other comments? No, that's all I got. That's it. All right. Thanks. Have a great day. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. Bye.